The Bo Show is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Brought to you by GSL GM City, your Cadillac Advantage dealership and home of Calgary's largest selection of new and pre-owned Cadillacs. Check out GSL GM City's entire Cadillac lineup in the showroom and online. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to The Bo Show. We took a brief break last week because there was no way I was coming on air to talk about what had happened yet, but... Now I'm ready to talk about it. So, Rob, Pat, let's go ahead and jump into it, man. Why not? Um, let's go ahead. I mean, let's go ahead and talk about the last play. You know, that's just obviously the one I got to get out of the way and talk about. Um, you know, there's all obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of Twitter mentions, all these kind of things. Um, I I want to hear y'all's true and honest, and not don't worry about me being here. I want to hear your true and honest assessment as a as an analyst of the game of what you think of the last play of the game. I'm putting you two on the spot. I, I have no problem because <laughs> it was my pump out the truth last week. I uh, I loved it. Without risk in sport, I don't want to watch. If if we're going to play everything by the numbers, if we're going to go by percentages, you know, I don't want to be involved. I, I want risk. What you went for, if worked, would have been one of the great all-time finishes, right? It would have been, I mean, we don't, you know, and again, I'm regurgitating all this stuff, but I'll say it to your face. We don't go to the sandlot going, well, it's the bottom of the second, we're up by six, and we got one guy on base. It's the bottom of the ninth, we're down, base is loaded. Stanley Cup final, overtime, it's the third down, and this is the Grey Cup. That's what we, you know, I, I had no problem with it. Um, you know, I found it a little hypocritical that one week we're criticizing Jason Moss for being conservative, and then the next week we're going, well, why weren't you conservative? You know, there's a little bit of that conversation yeah, I haven't going heard on. that one yet. That's pretty good. The one that I would like to ask you about, and, and I think you answered it in the scrum, and you asked me as an analyst, as I'm watching, and I'm not really an analyst, I'm just watching the game, it looked to me, Bo, like you were under center knowing exactly where you were going, oh, that you were locked in. 100%. I mean, I in, in that play, you know, actually, I'll, Pat, I'll let you go first if you want to play Dell's advocate for that or if you want to. Well, agree, whichever I'll, one. I'll be I'll be perfectly honest with you. I uh, no, be dishonest. <laughs> I, when, when I when I when I saw you throw the ball up because we're watching on TV. So I throw when I saw you throw the ball up. I'm like, that that looks like you know clearly you're going for the end. So I'm like, geez, that looks like a good pass. And then you see the the camera pan yeah, over, yeah. and you see the uh, you Matt. see him moving over. You see Matt moving over, and I'm like, oh no. And and I the the first thing that I said is, in that situation. You can't throw that ball. You can't let the other team get their hands on it when you know the the circumstances are where they are. 100%. So, so I had no problem going for going for the end zone. There's enough time to take one or two shots at the end zone and still have you know the the, the best kicker in the CFL this year come out and get you to overtime if you couldn't take that. The only thing I didn't like was that you put it in a spot where the other team could get their hands on it and the, the worst possible scenario happens. So I did not mind the play call. Um, it's just, and, and you said it in the, in the, in the scrum afterwards, you said it uh, on media day afterwards as well. Then, you know, you needed to put a perfect throw on that and, and you underthrew it a little bit. Um, so that, that was my criticism yeah. of it. No, then. that's good because that's, that's exactly, that's, that's what a majority of people watching are thinking, right? It's uh as the ball goes up, and I think if you're a Calgary fan watching it, as the ball goes up, originally you're like, oh, nice. And then as you see the camera start to pan, you start to think, uh-oh, just as long as they don't get their hands on it. And and that's kind of the assessment of the entire thing, really. Um, you know, I, I had a, I threw a camp this weekend, and, you know, we're getting at the halfway point of the camp where we come up and feed the guys lunch. And I walk up, and uh, 
a dad over on the other side. The moms are kind of walking over and talking. The dads are talking to me. And they're like, hey, man, you know, love the camp, doing a great job. Uh, it's amazing. The kids are loving it. And this dad just from the, the other side just yells out, hey, you owe us two cups. And I really couldn't understand what he said. And I was like, I was like say that again. I, so the parents kind of around me stopped talking. They're like, you owe us two cups. So I just kind of gave the parents around me that finger like, hold on, I'll be right back. So I walked over. I sat right next to him. I was like, go ahead, explain yourself. Tell me why I owe you two cups. And his assessment is, is the same as a lot of people on Twitter and social media anywhere is, oh, you can't throw that ball. You can't throw that ball in the end zone. I said, well, what else am I supposed to do with it? He said, kick the field goal. I said, you want me to kick the field goal on second and five? <laughs> so you want me to drop, kick the ball, Doug Flutie from 40 Doug yards Flutie, out, yeah. kick the field goal. Yeah, drop kick, yeah. He said, no, no, but you can't do that. I was like, well, where else was I supposed to go with the football? You tell me. And he goes, oh, anybody. I was like, well, the other three guys recovered. Mark Way was on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Mark Way runs an out route. We have an out route, a go route, and a go route. And they're in man coverage. They've been in man coverage for probably the last 25 plays. Um, but what the typical fan doesn't know is that their field corner got hurt. Or sorry, their boundary corner got hurt. Their field corner went to boundary corner. Their free safety, who runs about a 4-7 on good weather, uh, <laughs> is playing field corner. And he's in the snow. And Mark and Michelle is playing field receiver. And he's run by him about three or four times on film. And so as soon as Dave called that play, I was like, I know exactly where I'm supposed to go with this football. Now, let me take you back to New England Patriots versus Seattle Seahawks. All right, we all criticized... Um, we all criticized the coach for making the play call, yeah. and we all criticized Russell Wilson for throwing the ball. Um, and, and my answer at that day and time when people asked me, you know, how does he do that? Why does he not run the ball? And I was like, well, actually time-wise, it, passing the ball is the right situation, but where should you pass it? Outside. Throw the ball outside to where if it tips off somebody's hands, you're not getting a pick. So basically it comes down to the fact that as a, as a quarterback, uh, it's second and five. There's 20 seconds left in the game. And if we incomplete this pass, we're kicking a field goal going overtime. But the previous play before that, you know, two previous plays before that, KJ drops the ball, and then Dave calls the exact same play. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to let KJ, I'm going to give KJ redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's going to run by the guy again. I know he's going to get his hands on the football. And he does. And now we're, we're basically in the point where we didn't think we were going to be. Sorry about that noise, everybody. Um, we basically oh, they're used to it. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very constant sound down here on yeah, a game day. That's why we're here. So our entire plan was obviously to get down to field goal range in, in time for to go into overtime. And, you know, we catch that ball deep down there, and it's like, hey, we have a chance to win the game right now. Mm-hmm. So what we've done and what we've always done, and same thing in Hamilton um, a couple weeks earlier, is I'm going to put the ball towards the end zone. And obviously, do I want to leave it four yards short of where I was trying to? Absolutely not. So the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that it is the right decision. It's a, it's a great play call uh, because we have a go route to hold the safety off. Um, but I threw it early. I left the ball short. I didn't leave the ball where I want to. Um, and the guy made a great play on it. And, um, you know, I, I gave a guy a chance in marking because he's a guy that's gone up over guys and made these catches before. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this ball out there. I'm going to let Mark and go make a play. And this, there's one of three results that's probably going to happen. Either we're going to catch the ball, we're going to get an incompletion, or we're going to get pass interference, so we're going to be on the one-yard line again, just like last year. Yep. And so when I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm like, you know what, this is exactly what we want to do. And even after, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, beating myself up thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that. And every time I go back and watch it, I was like, that's exactly what I should have done. I mean, it, it was a great play call. It was exactly what we wanted to do, and I just, you know, I left the ball short. So to anybody out there, fan-wise, that's, you know, the armchair quarterback or whatnot, or, or you think, uh, I've, and what I'm getting the most, too, is, oh, Dave can't call that. You're absolutely wrong. 
I mean, that's the that's the best thing to call that situation. This second five with 20 seconds left. Um, you go ask any quarterback in this league or any offensive coordinator in this league what they're going to do, and 90 to 95 percent of them are going to answer the exact same thing, because that's what you, you got to. If you have a chance to put the ball in the end zone, why would you go to overtime? Well, you know why? Why run the ball right there and kick it, go to overtime, now give them a chance to come win the game? If you have a chance to win the game, you go out there, you try to win the game, especially in a Grey Cup. You got to do it. Seems to me, and you know, you may disagree, but. As long as I've known Dave and as long as he's been the head coach, he's always said at some juncture in the season or at the beginning of the season, I want to put the ball in my players' hands. I want them to make plays. I want them to decide who wins and loses the game. I was not surprised by the call. I really wasn't. Nervous? Sure, you want it to work out. But that, to me, is what your coach has always said he was going to do, which is put it in your hands to win the game. Yeah. And as a coach, you have to, right? I mean, as a coach, he can... Well, you don't. Jason Moss didn't. <laughs> well, right. I mean, he put it in his kicker's hands. Yeah. Um, or his kicker's foot. Foot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a coach, all, that's all, the only thing you have the ability to do is to call the play. He can, he can call whatever play he wants and tell me how, exactly how to read it and exactly how to throw it. But, you know, <coughs> so, uh, sooner or later, your quarterback is the guy that's going to make the decision. And that's who you put out there as a guy who you think makes the best decisions. And, um, again, like I said, in that scrum you were there, I'll live by that decision till the day I die. Yeah. Two things that have come up on the text line since we started. Yep. A, did you see that when people say double coverage? Did so, you yeah, see the, that as double coverage? No, they're wrong. It's because it, because it if was. It, if that's double coverage, then du- it, then every single then receiver everything, was double coverage. You've always on got the it over field. the top, yeah. right? So basically, guys, if you play man, uh, NCAA, whatever you guys might play that watch football, um, it's cover ten, cover eleven. It's just man coverage. Everybody's pressed. Uh, the field corner wasn't pressed. He had hard inside leverage. That's another good reason to throw the out route. Um, you know, but the safety is in the middle of the field. And on the start, right on the jump, Matt did try to widen out. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to um, – he's basically trying to what – they're, what they're doing is when – it's happened multiple times to us this season. We've had a, a field corner get hurt, and a team has replaced him with a Canadian – DB that hasn't typically been in that position and you typically push the safety farther over there to encourage the quarterback not to go that way because they don't want you to throw the ball on him and there's a reason mm-hmm. because he's the most vulnerable person on the field right now and um, so I knew exactly what he was trying to do but in my mind uh, as far as deciphering the play I had another go route on the inside of Markin to hold that guy off now right. the problem is, is I, put, I threw the ball too early so throwing the ball too early, I'm allowing that safety now to see it, go react to it. But but even throwing the ball early, I knew as long as I put the ball out there into the outside, I had no worries about the free safety. But as soon as I let the ball go, I know I didn't put enough on it. I know I didn't put the ball in the area, that, that trash can size area that I wanted to put it. But So then the other question is, was because a, a few of them have come in and said, just throw the ball away. And I guess that comes down to That's how much decision. how much risk do you see uh, on that throw? In in that when when you obviously you didn't execute the way you wanted, but when you decided to go to Markin in the end zone, yeah. how much risk was there in your mind um, of throwing that ball? Honestly, I'd say there's a ten percent chance that ball gets picked off if the ball is thrown correctly. If the ball is thrown correctly, it's even lower. You know what I mean? But even where I put it. I'm thinking if Markin gets his eyes around, he's going to be able to go and make a play, and I'm going against Matt Black and Jermaine Gabriel. And there's no, no disrespect to these two guys. They're, they're awesome athletes, and Matt Black made the play. Um, but I'll take Markin over. You know, I can throw that ball 100 times, and Markin is going to make that play a lot. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, throwing the ball, that's a, it's a terrible decision to throw the ball away. I mean, that's not even a chance. I would never do that. It's it's the and and th those would be the and you already talked about running the ball. Um, yeah, so and just to give you a stat, I throw the ball away more than any single quarterback in this league. So last year, I threw the yeah. ball away uh, twenty nine times, and the next closest quarterback threw it away twelve times. So I throw the ball away in situations where you're supposed to do more than anybody in this league, and I would never throw that ball away. Interesting. So then the other the other thing that keeps on coming up is, should it have gotten to that point? Should it have been in a situation where you needed to uh, yeah. throw that ball and, and be trailing in the final seconds? Right. Should it get to that point? No. Obviously, like we're all talking about KJ's play. Should it get to that point? No, absolutely not. It took two 100-yard touchdowns for it to get to that point. You know what I mean? I mean, if you take away that pass from Ricky, and he, he dropped that on a dime. He literally did. He dropped it on a dime. Tommy Campbell's one of the best I've ever seen. And he's and Tommy's picked me off in practice probably ten times over the last couple of years um, on trailing a receiver like that and baiting me to throw a go route and he catches up and goes up just like he did and he takes that ball away and he just barely misjudged it and because of the snow or the lights I have no idea but um you take that pass away you know Ricky's got 120 yards passing and no touchdowns and and we're talking about a blowout uh, you take away KJ's play yeah we're talking about us winning by two touchdowns. Um, you know, you take my play away, we go in overtime, who knows? So this is this is what people need to realize. That's what football is. Football is it's not it's not how you play the entire game. You have to play consistent the entire game, but it's a handful of plays. It's anywhere from three to six plays a game that decide who wins that game. And those three plays right there made made the decision of who won that game and it wasn't us. Two things. One, is it a fair criticism that you left points in the first half on the t on on the table, um, because there was. I'd have to think about when. I can't really think of it. I just. Times, honestly. I, I the defense was so stout that they were constantly getting the ball back. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you in the first half, it seems to me that the, the game was very dominant, but you weren't up by enough. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, no, for sure. But you're you're also playing in, you know, adverse hor conditions. horrid conditions. Yeah. Um, so ball security for us is the number one thing. It's the only thing we're preaching on the sideline. You know, it's yep. and and just so everybody knows, man, KJ, he did put two hands on that ball. You know, I, I go back and watch that and they, they slow it down and he did exactly what he should do. He caught the ball. The moment he catches the ball, he's getting hit by somebody. Right. So basically it's a uh it's a slant by by Devaris. Devaris is gonna crack KJ's guy and KJ's gonna come out to nothing. It's the exact same play he scored his 45-yard touchdown on however long that one was earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. And the corner did a better job. Saw it this time, came off and tried to hit KJ. KJ stayed up, and the moment KJ stayed up, he did one thing, and it's what we always preach. Go forward, get down, and cover the ball up. And he goes forward, he goes to dive, and he puts two hands on the ball. The first guy that dove and hit him took one arm off, and the second guy hit his elbow. And I, I know you've seen it plenty of times on NFL with their cameras. When the ball's in that slot and somebody hits your elbow and it squeezes it in, a lot of times that ball pops, pops out. out yeah. But um, no, honestly, if I go watch the first half, I don't, I don't feel like there's any glaring times where I thought that, you know, oh man, right there we left too many points on the board. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I, I thought there was times where they made plays uh, as a defense, and you know, conditions got in the way. But you know, I look at that game and you know we were 75 percent completions. We're almost we're near 400 yards passing. Mm -hmm. Like as an offense, I felt like we did everything we had to do. Yep. Um, and we just didn't – there was just obviously two glaring mistakes to hurt us. How how close were you to making a play 
on the fumble return in the fourth quarter? Uh, as as far as making the tackle, yeah, yeah. So I'll uh I'll I'll describe that entire play to you. So my job as a quarterback, um, as soon as I see a fumble like that, is is take the angle and cut off the sideline. You know what I mean? So my job is to make that guy stop his feet and cut back inside to where anybody else trailing, whether it's uh, Quay, KJ, whoever it might be, um, can come behind him and make the play. So as soon as I saw the fumble, I took off. And I'm running, and the guy's getting up to me, and Lemon's right there to block for him. And I was like, okay, I could hit Lemon and you know try to knock him into him mm-hmm. and whatnot. But then, really, 26 kind of messes up and goes past Lemon. I was like, all right, now it's just me and him. So in my my mind, I'm running, and I've already cut him off, and I'm thinking, okay, we're in the snow. He knows I can't cut. So if he just runs inside of me, he knows he's gone. So as soon as he stopped his feet at all, I was, I was going to try and stop my feet and take his legs out. But all he did was just stutter and then keep running. So really, I mean, I was close to making a play right there. I just didn't uh, – obviously haven't been in that situation enough and, you know, wasn't athletic enough to make that play. Take a break? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we'll take a, take a break real quick, come back. We'll talk uh, – Talk our camp this weekend that we had go down. We'll talk a little bit of uh, CFL for agents because there is a lot of them. Um, and if you have any questions, man, text in. I don't mind answering anything. Text in, call in, whatever it might be. Uh, but we'll be right back here on Sports at 960 The Fan. Back to the Bo Show with your quarterback, Bo Levi Mitchell. Brought to you by GSL GM City. They offer lease and finance rates from 0.9%, plus save thousands in cash credits. Visit GSL GM City today, 1720 Bow Trail Southwest, or GSLGMCity.com. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the Bo Show. We have our big guest of the week, mm-hmm. and you don't get to hear from him very often. Nope. But when you do, uh, you always take notes. Yes. No Pat doubt. Steinberg himself, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> Monday morning quarterback. Poor Ar- SML. Armchair quarterback. Berg versus Ferg. Poor SML. <laughs> oh, Berg. I, I forgot about that. Berg versus Ferg. Yeah. I like Marshall. Yeah, I, I like Marsh too. It's I fun. Think, yeah, I think he's pretty. He was Those with are fun us. Pieces. He was with us. Um, as a part of the whole program, bringing in Canadian quarterbacks while they're still playing. Yeah, he was one of those guys. He looked good. Yeah, he's and I mean, like he had a good career. Like he, yeah. was, he had a solid McMaster career. So yeah, but yeah. he he does the right thing as far as it being a radio personality. He does the right thing is all he does is dog on himself on Twitter and all that. He's like, oh yeah, I went. Um, Calls himself a failed kicker or whatever. Yeah, he's like, I went zero and seven with six picks in this game. Blah blah blah, and, yeah. we, and we won. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk a little. Let's talk a little CFL free agency. There's a there's a lot going on. Um, I have no idea what our team's going to look like next year. Uh, Edmonton has no idea what their team's going to look like next year, and neither does Montreal. Um, because first off, Montreal doesn't have a coach. You do not. Uh, Edmonton has thirty seven. Thirty seven free agents. We have twenty seven. Montreal has twenty eight. Um, all right, you're let's 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 play let's play fantasy GM here. You guys are. I'll give you Edmonton and you Montreal. Oh, <laughs> so Rob Kerr's got Montreal. <laughs> right. Pat Steinberg's got Edmonton. Who's your, as a free agent, who's your number one prospect? Who are you going after right now? Well, who's, who's going to change the dynamic of your team? Pretty obvious. I Montreal. love putting these guys on the spot. Pretty obvious in Montreal. It's a quarterback, right? Yeah. You know. <laughs> we got to hire a coach first. Oh. <laughs> but they can't get one as a free agent. I got to hire him. You asked me about free agents, right? Yeah. Um, they announced today Corey Chamberlain turned the yes, interview they did. down. Yes, they did. If I'm Edmonton, I'm not really all that worried about anything on offense. 
got my quarterback. I've got a stack group of receivers, and free agency will obviously play a part in that. But yeah. I got a stack group of receivers. They were undefeated until the West Division final with C.J. Gable in the lineup. So I think that you're pretty. The offense, was that one game? What? What? How many games he played? Uh, Gable. Gable play. I think they went six and zero until or five and zero with 0. Gable. Yeah, with Gable because uh, they got him. Yeah, basically their winning streak to end the season coincided with Gable. Oh, because I guess they would have had to pick him up for the trade deadline. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so with Gable, they were undefeated down the stretch in the regular season, won the West semi, and then lost in the West final. Yeah. Um, so I think they're set in that regard. To me, the biggest area, and I, I see how many DBs are available mm-hmm. right now. If they could, I know they brought Grimes back, yeah. but if they could find themselves a, a game-breaking defensive back, because uh, I like what they're doing up front. They've yeah. got a really, really solid and deep group on the defensive line. They're able to, when everybody's healthy, they're able to rotate in the edge and rotate in the middle. I think uh, a game-breaking defensive back would be my number one priority if I'm the Eskimos. And that, that, and figuring out if they're going to pony up and, and keep James Franklin or not, because he's kind of the number yeah, one that's interesting quarterback, right the number one quarterback prospect be, out there. But but James also has expressed that is he does he not have interest south of the border? I think he does. He does. Yeah. Apparently, there's a couple of there's a couple of bites with Franklin in the NFL, which complicates things even more. Right. But you know, if he is, if he's got Montreal or Saskatchewan or or another team potentially, maybe it's Hamilton. Who knows? Barking down his door. Then all of a sudden, I don't know if Edmonton's going to be able to pay him number one money to be a backup. The problem with this conversation, and I don't mind having it, but the CFL is unlike the NHL. By the time you get to free agency you have a pretty good idea that nobody's going back. Here in the CFL, you have 27 free agents. You're signing a bunch of those. So if I'm looking You're for trying. a board, right? You know what I mean? But no, but the percentages would bear out that a number of your free agents are going to come back. They're not truly ever going to get anywhere. Well, you know, last lo- year's offseason would speak to that. I mean, there were so many big names last year, and they all came back. Right. right? Yeah, they and signed just, before free agency actually hit. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at quarterbacks and, and going, well, is this a legitimate con- Well, yeah, sure. I'll take Trevor Harris. Yeah, okay. But, right. you know. But is he, yeah. You know, okay. Ricky Ricky Ray's on that list. Does Ricky Ray want to go to Montreal? Ricky Ray at 38 is going to leave <laughs> Toronto and go to Montreal. Not a chance. Well, how much are you going to offer him? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Because <laughs> you, you give him the old Doug Flutie million-dollar contract, he might, come over, <laughs> yeah. he might come over there and hang out for a, yeah. for a couple months. I mean, I, I'll, I'll throw a name out there only because of the heritage, and, and we have this conversation all the time, is, you know, Brandon Bridge is a, a free agent. Yep. And he got some starts towards the end of the year, got to play in the playoffs. I think he proved himself. Was he a guy that you would, that somebody might take and build around? Or does Saskatchewan bring him back? Exactly, right? Well, that, that's part of this, the problem here. Of course he's going back to See, Saskatchewan, that's, man, right? That's, that's, where, that's, that's where I question him because I don't know if, if they are. I know, like, I mean, I know some of the personnel over there. I know the way some of those guys think. And I think, to me, the way they treated Bridge at the end of the year was we're not willing to make you the starting quarterback. Like, we'll use you and we'll put you in if Kevin's struggling or if Kevin's getting pressure. But I just don't think when they had six, seven games, why didn't, if you believed in the guy, hmm. why are you not letting him start the game? Hmm. If you think he's the guy, yeah. if when your starting quarterback is struggling, mm-hmm. why are you not making him the starter for the game? I don't, I don't understand. I would love, I wish you could. That's one of those conversations I wish I could have with somebody. Is find out from their personnel why did y'all decide not to start this guy? Well, because there's too much overthinking in football. Why didn't Tyrod Taylor play? Why did you know Peterman? Which was to? absolutely ridiculous to me. Right? Why did you bench Eli the way you benched Eli? Is there not this? Oh, like is two there or, two or three years too late? 
okay, well, that's a different take, but okay. But there's an overwhelming overthinking sometimes of these sort of things, right? Yeah. Because if it's not, you know, were you going to go back with – I? yeah, we, we joke all the time around here. we got to play a little disclaimer. The people we're about to talk about are really good human beings, and they do great things in the community. So we apologize for besmirching their good names, but are you really going back with Kevin Glenn next year? That's no. your answer? But that goes back to is it James Franklin? Is it, you know, Zach Caleros? Is it, you know, there's, and, and it all goes. But Glenn's still under contract, right? Yeah. He's not a free agent. So. But it all goes back to who's, and I think this is a big thing, and, 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 and you'd know better than anybody else, but, you know, when you talk about football, it's all about are you my guy? And Brandon Bridge was there already when, when Chris Jones took over. And I don't, I just don't get yeah, the feeling enough. that Bridge is a, a Jones guy. And he's like, well, for what you have preconceived biases, every coach does. And I just kind of get the feeling that, you know, I, there, there's not that you're my guy belief in a guy like Bridge. Which is, which is weird because I would say Brandon Bridge is one of the most Chris Jones guys I've ever seen. He's your. That's an interesting statement. He's your. So Chris Jones is known for wanting big, tall, freakish athletes. Okay. At every okay. position. Yep. So for a guy like that, and you're Canadian, and Chris Jones would be the first guy to come out and speak and say, "I want Canadians to start at quarterback, and it should count against the ratio," because he's got a Canadian quarterback that has just now proved himself, <laughs> and he's going to fight for it. He's the sure. kind of guy that would try and make that happen. Sure. Um. So I don't know if it's something if it's I mean I don't I don't even know actually who their offensive guys are I think it's McAdoo, um, over in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So is it is it maybe McAdoo doesn't like Bridges much? I mean what's I, I got there's got to be something because Chris I mean to me Chris Jones I look at Brandon Bridges I'm like that's a Chris Jones type guy he's a he's a freakish athlete he's got a crazy strong arm he's young the fans love him why are you not? Do we have to it just dawned on me do we have to. Do we have to defend the host from tampering charges? Do we have to avoid anything here? I'm not sure. Free agency. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't want to get you any trouble. He's not, a, he, he's not a general manager. He's not yeah. a player I don't personnel any, guy. I don't I make think, any decisions. I think he's good. Okay, just, just double check. I think there. he's good. But well, if you want to sign the Calgary Sam Peters. There's no, a certain broadcaster <laughs> that I'm a little concerned about. Let me just put it that way. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there you go. Punk. <laughs> I get paid to talk about sports. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so do, so the, the one situation I do want to talk about, uh, free agency-wise, is uh, June Jones just got signed on. They took the interim tag off the guy. Yep. Uh, great guy, great coach. Looking looking forward to see what happens over there with him. But um, quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. You, you've got Masoli, who at the end of the year went, what, 6-3? and 6-4. and 6-4 yep. for you. Um, and played great. Guys came off behind him. Uh, you've got Zach Claros, who in my mind, and I'm biased, but – I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. I don't care if he went in a slump. Uh, I, I look at that guy, and to me, to me, I look at that guy, and he's the Aaron Rodgers of our our league. That's that's who I see. That's wow. the he's um, it's heavy praise. Well, I'm mean, hey man, I'm, I can I, I see talent. I, I can yep. I'm not afraid to speak to it. Yep. Um, and then you've got the possibility of Johnny Menzel coming, and you know everything legal wise worked out for him. I guess um, is he the perfect human being to get up here after you just got scolded for Art Bryles, you know, that whole situation. Uh, I'm not sure, but, I mean, I look at those I look at those three and I say, you know, what they're going to do, I think they're going to they're gonna trade Zach, they're going to keep Mazzoli, and they're going to hope that Johnny Manziel comes. And, and I'm telling you right now, whichever team gets Zach Caleros is going to be singing the praises of the Hamilton Tiger Cats GMs. 
They can't. There's there's teams out there that can't wait. That's Montreal. That's Toronto. Mm-hmm. Maybe Saskatchewan. Maybe Saskatchewan. Um, I mean, there's eight, if not nine. I'm hoping it's just eight teams that would love to have Zach Claris as quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> probably just doing, probably just doing the math. Yeah. No, I think there's – yeah. Yeah, I think you're safe. Yeah. No, I mean, there's – yeah. He's uh, – to me, he's that dude. I mean, I think I think he kind of got Tyrod Taylor. He, hey, you're the blame. You're the reason. Um, and, and at that point, to me, I, I try to put myself in this situation. If we're losing, um, I don't have a receiver over 5'6". I look around at one point. Seriously, at one point in the beginning of the season, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He actually no, did not have a, a receiver over. Yeah. I think it was five nine. And I'm like, I would, I would love to see you throw to these guys. I, anybody out there that's talking about Zach, go ahead, line up at quarterback, and you throw to these guys on the inside uh, against blitz, and tell me how many completions you get. But I think Zach's the kind of guy that's like, you know what? No matter what our situation is, no matter how much we're losing, I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm still going to try and win the game, and the numbers are a product of the way the team was playing as a whole. Their defense was not playing good. They, without a doubt, at that time, had one of the worst defenses in the league. And everybody was throwing – I mean, everybody was throwing for 400 yards on them. Yep. yep. So, you know, to me, when you look at it, you say, oh, this is the reason this is the guy. But then Masoli plays the way Masoli played. And now everybody's like, oh, yeah, they were right. It was Zach Claros. You know? I mean, I just think I think this is setting up to be a perfect situation for Zach. And Zach just can't – he's just – He's just waiting. He's just sitting back smiling like, I can't wait till some team comes and picks me up. Right. And they are most likely, whatever team he goes to, I have a good feeling Hamilton Tigercast is going to be playing in week one. Well, the whole fly in the ointment when it comes to that conversation is the amount of money due to Caleros. And oh, he, sure. he is still one of the highest paid quarterbacks, highest paid players in the Canadian Football League. So that that certainly, I think, comes more into the equation for Hamilton than, than anybody else. Because 100%. Think, so, so they're like, okay, because I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep both Masoli and Caleros. So they kind of have to make that decision. Yeah. Do we want to pay Masoli like close to a number one based on really half a season where he played very, very well, but before that he was kind of just uh, average, you know, kind of just yeah. – uh, and, and, and he took some big strides. I think he threw just four interceptions in those ten games, made some good decisions, and, and helped turn that season around. But are you willing to give him the ball and pay him like the ball is his uh, just so that you can get a little bit of salary cap relief by saying goodbye to Caleros? It's a, it's a really interesting spot there in all of a sudden. And I think you're right. I think if you're other teams right now, there's a guy there that you're like, that could solve our quarter. Back to you got to ask about Montreal. There's there's a potential fix right Absolutely. there for the Alouettes. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, can you explain to me the fly in the ointment uh, statement you just made? Because <laughs> I've never heard that before. You've never heard, fly never heard that? that? No. It's like it's like when you got like a uh, clear like contact solution or something like that, and there's a fly in it. It's like, well, no, that's, that's I, I'm pretty sure that the statement predates – um, contact, contact solution. solution, but it's yeah. like that. You've got a clear <laughs> substance, yeah. and there's it a fly predates. in it. And it yeah, it's, no, I mean it's it's that you know it's that. Well, you explain it better well, than Mister Mister Data I'm, Expert. No, I'm just saying that it's the fly in the ointment is clearly something that's messing everything up. You know, that's the the fly in your ointment. You don't want if any flies in your ointment. That goes without saying. Nobody, everybody wants their. Well, I know what we were trying to say. I just, I just wanted to hear from your guys' mouth what it actually meant. <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> no, and I'm no, glad that's I did. What it is. Feel free to use it. Um, I'm trying to find Jeremiah Masoli's uh, phone number. Are you gonna call him? <laughs> win loss oh, okay. record. Because I know he went six and four right there at the end, but he's he's made a couple starts during the Claros injury times. Yep. I'm trying to find his his actual win loss record in the CFL, and I want to know. 
are you going to pay the guy because of a 6-4 and four ending, or are you going to pay him based off? Because if I'm a GM, my 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 counterpoint coming into this negotiation is, well, hey, man, I know you went 6-4 and four for us, and we want you to be our guy, but overall you are blank and blank, and so we're going to... Mm-hmm. We're going to pay you more interim and kind of see and give you more playtime bonus, and we'll put some more incentives in there if you play well. Well, Pat tends to be the, the leader when it comes around here to contracts, and, and this this reeks of, well, you know, we'll give you a short term, prove it to us. If you can, then we'll lock you up. Yeah. You know, I, we'll I, give you the opportunity, but we can't really give you the money until we know for sure. Right, and I definitely see it coming down to, okay, so you are – you know, you're this and this record, so we're gonna pay you. Here's two fifty. Mm-hmm. Here's two hundred thousand, and we'll put this much, you know, a hundred thousand in playtime and and a couple incentives. But we're not gonna pay you enough to just in case Johnny Manziel comes, we're able to put him at starting quarterback. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I do. Just, I and, do. And really, as Hamilton, man, you're just putting your. I mean, it seems to me you're putting yourself in a tough situation there. It's uh, since the beginning of 2016, including the uh, East semifinal last year. So the, since the beginning of last season. Okay. Uh, he's 10 and 10 in 10 starts. 10 and 10. Yeah. All right. You paying him? I, I'm, I'm nervous if I'm Hamilton. You know, seems like they want to move away from Caleros. I just don't know if Masoli and Johnny Menzel, who's never thrown a football in the CFL before, would be the ones that I'd want to. And Bank man, on I, getting back to the playoffs. I, listen, I don't have the best body in the world, but uh, someone just showed me a picture of Johnny Manziel recently. <laughs> like he was at the beach and he's got. He has to work out a bit, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Might That's what I've been told. He <laughs> may need the extra large wor- uh, gear. <laughs> yeah, maybe. T-shirts and sweat and shorts. Just right around the gut area. Okay. All right. Ooh. Fair. Fair. <laughs> uh, should we take a break? Yeah, we'll back? take a we'll take a quick break. Uh, Thank you to our uh, SML Entertainment Big Guest of the Week, Pat Steinberg. Uh, pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more with five locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. And the Big Guest needs to make a retraction because I was looking at As soon as I said it, I thought it was oh, maybe, um, it's awful Big Guest. But Bridge was, Jones did bring in Brandon Bridge, so I just wanted to make that correction. I said that he was uh, Bridge was there before Saskatchewan. Uh, Jones did go out and yeah. make that. He that brought all three Montreal quarterbacks yeah. Kevin Glenn, Brandon Bridge, and Vernon, Vernon Adams. Dav- Vernon Adams, yeah. Vernon yeah. Adams, yeah. So Vernon I just wanted Davis. to make sure that <laughs> Vernon Davis. That would be a really interesting uh, acquisition. So oh, I wanted yeah. to make that correction, too. <laughs> Spiraling out of control. And we'll be right back here on Sports at 960 The Fan. Back to the Bo Show with your quarterback, Bo Levi-Mitchell. Brought to you by GSL GM City. They offer lease and finance rates from 0.9%, plus save thousands in cash credits. Visit GSL GM City today, 1720 Boat Trail Southwest, or GSLGMCity.com. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the Bo Show. Um, so we have talked, uh, gosh, recap, great cup, post game. Um, we have talked a little bit of CFL. Uh, free agency. Sorry, did you want to, and I asked you this off the air before, did you want to lend anything else to Mark Wayne and Jordan at all? Oh, yeah, I guess I can hit that real quick. So everybody's asking me, because I've, I've, I've gotten the question um, about Mark Wayne and his comments, and, um, man, the only thing I can compare it to, and I have, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I have Mark Wayne's back in the situation, so before I even answer, y'all can go ahead and get the gist of what I, how I feel about it. Um, 
because KJ said the exact same thing about himself, you know, and I said the exact same thing. It's, it is stupid football. It's not smart. Um, but I go back and watch film, and KJ did a great job of trying to cover up the football. Um, you know, the only, the only way to even do anything different is, and this is, and tell me what athlete would do this, uh, would be to break the first tackle and then fall on the ground. You know, you look up and see five guys, you just go, okay, never mind, and you fall on the ground. Um, but as far as Mark Way's comments, I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is, is kind of, um, nope, never mind, I'm not even going to compare it to that. I just thought about the backlash for that one. Um, what I would say is he said the right thing. Is he, is he wrong? No, he is right. It was Super Football. Is it the right place and the right time to say it? Probably not. Do, do you need to blast your own teammate? Probably not. Um, you know, you know he's already feeling bad about himself. Um, but at the same time, that's the second great cup we've lost in two years. And how do you think Quay's feeling about himself? And he's, and I know y'all saw the media, uh, mm -hmm. his scrum. He's questioning, you know, um, you know whether or not that's going to be his last great cup or his last season and all that. And so that's tough for him. You know, he knows that. And there's a couple guys, man. There's Charleston Hughes. There's Rob Cote. There's um, – Dan Fader, Kyle, these guys are all, you know, are they going to play another season? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, everybody's thinking the same thing, and, and he, he just happened to be the one that verbalized it. And I guess he felt like he probably could because he is the leader of that receiver group. Um, and he tries to hold his guys accountable. And, and that's the thing is that he's tried to hold his guys accountable all year, and I think a little bit of frustration has come out, um, you know, because he kind of talked to me and said, you know, I just didn't feel like we – I just didn't feel like we – showed up for you when we should have during the entire year. And I think his frustration just kind of came out right there in that scrum. So I feel bad for him because he got so much backlash from it. Um, you know, I got the same backlash for the game. You know, so I understand I understand people's resentment towards the situation. But, um, no, I mean, I don't think he was wrong in what he said. No, no, I mean, cream. No cream? Yeah. All right. Nope. Um, <laughs> so first off, I want to take this time real quick to announce that we are doing another year, the third. Third? The third. I had I had to look at Rob and let him remind me. The third an, uh, the third annual uh, Mitchell's Miracle Day. Fantastic. So Maddie and I will be taking, uh, I believe, four children uh, from four different families um, out for Christmas shopping. And what we do is we go to Big Brother Big Sister and, and – um, because of liability-wise and, and um, just privacy, they, mm -hmm. we, we don't get to physically pick the kids because of, we're not allowed to like look at the backgrounds and how much their parents make and things like that. Sure. So, and they know these kids, and that's, that's kind of what I love about it is they know these kids. They know what parents are really struggling and, and who really could use this miracle uh, for Christmas time. But, you know, what we do is we take these kids and we take them shopping for their families and we basically treat them to the feeling of buying gifts for someone and getting to see the feeling on Christmas Day of your sister or your brother or your mom or your dad or your grandma, whoever it might be, opens some presents that you got for them. Um, and they can get that feeling of giving because the ones that are struggling, how, how often do, do they ever get that feeling? You know, and, and that's why we kind of do what we do. Um, but the one thing we do, uh, Calgary, and I, we've I've already actually I've already got texts and emails about it and people are already signing up and can't wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we asked the city of Calgary to donate gift cards and no cash because uh, Maddie and I like to pay for the presents ourselves. Um, so no cash. All we ask for is gift cards so that the families can go past this one day of a miracle so that they can have um, they can have they can go out to eat together so they can have gas to get to work, uh, bus passes, whatever it might be, groceries so they can have groceries for the holidays. Um, you know, there's always there's always a few people out there that always kick in a consistent 
uh, we've always gotten turkeys uh, from Bower, not Bowery, sorry, from Bonton um, Meat Markets. Uh, has always given us turkeys every year, so the families can have a turkey dinner on Christmas, which is amazing. And um, and yeah, so if you if you have the chance, uh, I think the way we're gonna do it this year is we're gonna do four meetups. So we're gonna try and do uh, northwest, northeast, southwest, southeast. We'll probably do like a mall meetup. Um, and me and Maddie will be there, and we can we'll set up the times. We'll post it on my Twitter, my Instagram, everything like that. And uh, I'm sure I'll get it out here uh, yeah, on Sports at 960 a couple times, uh, where the where and when the meetups will be. But if you can find uh, find time to grab it. Grab a gift card, bring it, uh, multiple gift cards, whatever you can do. There is going to be four families, um, but even one gift card, anything helps these families. Last year, uh, we definitely hit a record high of $22,000 in gift cards uh, for the four Whoa. families. So they definitely got treated to a miracle, not just by Maddie and I, but by the entire city of Calgary. So Calgary, I love you. Thank you so much for everything you have always done for us and helped us do for these families. And uh, I look forward to the uh, continued support. Um, well, you say gift cards, but and I think you illustrated a little bit. But is there anything specific that you know? Yeah. What about I, tickets? What about spring yeah, events? Yeah, no, and absolutely. Like We've always had amazing fans from the Flames, uh, from the Stampeders, from the Roughnecks. Um, you know, the the Hitmen, everything. Uh, any, anything that these guys can go out there and do. You know, any kind of entertainment spots. Uh, the one thing we do ask is if you're going to do restaurants, uh, to be mindful of the restaurants themselves, just because, um, you know, if you if you and Any no disrespect, but if, you, but if you give a $50 gift card to, you know, the keg or Salt Lake or something like that, that there's a good chance that they can't cover the rest yep. of the bill. So uh, just keep that in mind if you can. I mean, even even things, the subway, you know, healthy eats, whatever it might be, uh, fast food, just gift cards to anywhere that these families can go out and eat a little bit uh, would be absolutely amazing. So, yeah, so the gift cards we usually ask for is gas, um, you know, bus passes, uh, grocery stores, and, and a lot of the grocery stores sell the – Mass ones where you can shop mm -hmm. at any grocery store. Yep. Um, so, yeah, anything like that would be absolutely amazing. Perfect. I appreciate y'all. Um, so, this weekend was the first, the inaugural uh, Ignite Football Academy launch football camp. And it went absolutely amazing, man. We had such a great time. We were down at Calgary Foothills Soccer Club. And, man, I got to tell you, it was, it's a little, it's a little nerve-wracking at first because, you know, me and Mayo, we've had this dream since we were rookies to – you know, create a football camp, run it together, but just help make Calgary football better. And it's not it's not knocking the coaches they have now, and that's what we've been trying to really tell these guys is, is hey, man, listen, we're, what we're teaching you, we don't want you to go back to your coach and be like, well, you know what, Bo Levi Mitchell taught me this, or Alex Singleton taught me this, because that's not what it's about. What we're, what we're about is trying to make youth football better and trying to lend that hand. Mm -hmm. uh, so we wanted to work right in, in turn with these coaches. So they were the first people we contacted. Uh, we contact, contacted all the minor football coaches all around, the Bantam, everything, Pee Wee, Midget. Um, and we got 60 kids come out, and we had a young group and an older group. And it went absolutely amazing, man. We had the, the parents' viewing area. They were allowed to watch the entire time. And, and I do take pride in this, so I do want to read um, just one or two of these emails that we got back. Um, here's one from uh, Nicole, who did an amazing job. Her son was actually in the younger group and said, you know what, I really want to test my skills. I want to go in the older group tomorrow if I can. Um, so he said, I just wanted to let you know how much, how much we love the program this weekend. Uh, my son learned so much and had such a fantastic time. He really appreciated being able to move from the old or to the older group this afternoon. He felt like he was pushed beyond what he thought his, were his limits and feels like he accomplished a lot. He learned how to read the D line and how to improve his position at being a center. 
He is so tired but can't stop talking about how great it was and wondering when the next camp will be. We will definitely be sharing your information with our football club. Hopefully we will be uh, we'll have more Rebels at the next camp. Thanks for such an amazing, inspiring weekend. We look forward to working with you again. I mean, that's just, and that's, you know, that's really what it is for us right there. It's it's knowing that the ride home was awesome for the parents. You know, the parent, um, you know, took time and money out of their pockets to allow their kid to come out and get better at their craft. And the ride home uh, that Sunday evening was awesome. And that's what we care about right there is. I give you a ton of credit because you've identified something that researchers have spent a lot of time recently um, on, which is exactly what you just said. That ride home is so critical in the development of young athletes because it can turn them off and it can turn them on to sports. If they've had a positive and they share it and their parents are excited about it, they're turned on. If they just get beat up on the way home or they're not happy, that can turn them off sports. So it's really exciting for me to hear you say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, – no, I mean, you, we talked about it. You, yep. you helped me out that. You told me that, that, that that's what you're trying to – achieve is you want these kids to leave that next day and be like mom this is what i learned from deron mayo this is what i learned from dan fader who's a you know a super bowl winner um and that's what i love man we were we were actually really blessed in the fact that uh we had an amazing facility uh it went really well you know there was really no hiccups or anything we gave out some awards so basically uh we had a local dentist that kind of jumped in we had five awards of free mouthpieces mm-hmm. uh, so molded mouthpieces they can put their team name their colors on it things like that and then um i posted a picture too that the awards that we get so if i get player of the game um we get a cfl football and the the panel gets painted and you get you know so i, I have one believe i mentioned most outstanding player 2016 you know alice yep. will get one this year things like that so i brought that ball and showed these guys we picked an offensive and a defensive mvp of both groups and uh, we're getting those footballs, and we're going to take it to the kid's school and present it to the kid at the school. Very cool. Um, yeah, but the, man, the, the, the best thing is we have 60 kids, and, and we've got about 40 to 50 emails um, you know, telling us we can't wait for the next camp. So we're building that, that core group right now. And, uh, and, and yeah, we've announced um, you know, we'll put dates out there soon, but there's going to be an O-line, D-line, big man camp. There's going to be a seven-on-seven camp. There's going to be a quarterback camp, a kicking camp. Um, we're really going to tr- turn this into a football academy and, uh, and really just try to do whatever we can to, to help continue to make uh, Cowboy Youth football better. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I don't know if people appreciate how much work goes into one of these. I don't know if people appreciate how much work it is day of uh, when you've got a bunch it's of a lot young of stress. <laughs> it's a lot yes. of stress day of, man. Yes. You think you know, like you, we had an entire schedule built out, and we were minute by minute. We knew exactly what we needed to do. And day one, we were like, man, we might have to throw that thing out for day two. <laughs> um, you know, because you got, you got 60 kids, and you're like, okay, warm-up's going to take 15 minutes, and, and they're dead tired in the warm-up. You're like, yeah. perfect, exactly what we wanted. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll break down practice one. And we showed them, you know, CFL – uh, film from the Great Cup, from the final, and everything. And you're like, that's going to take 15 minutes, and it does. And then you do some drills, and you're like, well, you know, this kid had to stand around a little bit because his group was bigger. This these kids only had five kids in their group as a D line, so they were going nonstop. Sure. So there's all those logistics, you know, that you learn in the first year, and we're excited. Uh, you know, so hats off to everybody with Ignite. Uh, go follow us on Twitter, uh, IFAYYC. So that's Ignite Football Academy, IFAYYC. Uh, and Instagram, Ignite Football, YYC. Um, we'll be posting all the pictures and uh, and showing all that. We'll put the swag out there for sale. And, uh, and yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to our next camp. It's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Appreciate you guys. Well, Good luck it, to it's the nice. It's tonight. always nice when you know dreams come to fruition, right? You oh, put yeah. all that work. Uh, one more time, though. Uh, yeah, Mitchell's Miracle Day. Um, you can uh, 
you can hashtag Mrs. Miracle Day in anything you post uh, as far as whenever you come out and maybe meet us. But, um, yeah, all we're asking for is help from the entire Calgary community, uh, gift cards, you know, whatever you can do to help, um, you know, as little or as much. Um, you know, last year I had an entire um, Bantam hockey team. Mm -hmm. I went out to their house down in uh, McKenzie Lake uh, area, went all the way down there, and each kid from the team had – uh, as, as in it, when I went down to the basement, they're all playing mini sticks. Yep. Uh, and I never knew what that was, so it was kind of fun, <laughs> fun to learn that. It was fun to learn mini sticks. Um, but yeah, got to, every single kid had a gift card, so that was a huge day for us. I think they ended up totaling at like a thousand dollars. But I mean, just for kids that you know want to help, because it, it was actually a couple of the kids that heard it on the radio and they wanted to help with it. So, um, so thank you, yeah, to the entire Calgary community. Um, you can hit me up on Mitchell's Mir at, or email at Mitchell's Miracle Day at gmail dot com. Uh, no apostrophe, just Mitchell's Miracle Day at gmail.com and uh, let me know if you want to help out let me know if you want to donate uh, we will be posting the four meetup spots that we're going to do that you can uh, drop off your donations and uh, I can't wait to meet you see you take a picture shake your hand and thank you and we will do our best to keep everybody up to speed here too I appreciate you good luck to the Flames tonight top city hell yeah there we go Coming up next, it's Flames at 5 for Pete the Plumber, the superhero of residential plumbing and heating. Eric DeHatchuk from The Athletic will join us. Lots to talk about around the National Hockey League. Then at 6 o'clock, Pat Steinberg takes over with Derek Wills and Peter Labardis. Calgary Flames and the Philadelphia Flyers, the second and final regular season meeting between the two clubs. It's all coming up. Sportsnet 960, the fan.